Welcome to Ideas with Lex, a podcast to help you become that go-to person who can think on their feet or even invent that side hustle project that brings in cash and kudos. G'day guys, it's Nils Vesk here and today we have an incredible, awesome guest by the name of Francisca Eseli. Welcome Francisca. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me and thanks for pronouncing my name Ah, yeah, pretty I, well. I kind of feel like I should be speaking a few different languages. For those who haven't picked up on Francisca's accent. What um, accent? Sw- yeah, what <laughs> accent? Um, Swiss speaks Italian. So um, uh, what is it? Uh, como stai? Um, let's see, guten Morgen or guten Abend, um, como está, yes, uh, ni hao, like she just speaks every different language out there. No Chinese, yeah. But um, Francisca is the founder of an awesome organization called Basic Bananas, and Basic Bananas is an absolute kick-ass marketing business that is focused specifically on small businesses. Small business marketing. And um, so why I wanted to get Francisca on board today was to really pick a brain. not only as a marketing expert, but I think she's really got a really creative mind and has looked at ways of reinventing how people go about promoting and selling and um, really generating more sales for their business. So the first question I wanted to kick off this session for is to ask you the question, what does the word reinvention mean to you? That's a great question, and I actually love that word. I mean, you and I, we had a little bit of a conversation before we went live here, but I love the word because I feel like for me, as as someone who is in the leadership of a business, one of my most important jobs, other than leading the team, are is to keep reinventing and to keep, and for me, so for me, when I think about what does it mean for me to keep reinventing our businesses, it means to keep improving and to to not get complacent and to keep looking for better ways. And and just the other day, because it was at the beginning of a new quarter and the beginning of a new financial year in Australia, so I also wrote down what is my focus again in the business. And the number one thing is to be the person to drive reinvention. In the mm. business, so for me, it's about improving, continuously improving, and making things better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love love the fact that you spoke about focus because one of the things we talk about is refocusing, and, and that is, do you want to focus on how you go about building a product? Um, do you want to focus on how you sell? Do you want to focus on the processes, or do you want to focus on delivering? Where do you think um, businesses now? Let's call it, you know, Corona economy, post Corona economy. Um, Maybe it's the up and down uh, roller coaster ride that could continue for quite a while. Where do you think people should be focusing if they were looking at reinventing their business because things just aren't working? Yeah, when it when it comes in in regard, when it comes to especially marketing and branding and especially communication, I have seen so much bad communication throughout COVID, and not just from small businesses, from all types of businesses, just. Communication that you could feel there's no soul in it. It's just somebody who is joining the noise and repeating the same thing that somebody else said. And it's got a bit boring and also a bit not credible anymore. So I feel like what businesses need to focus on right now, and we've done the same here at Basic Nanas, at Ocean Lovers, the Businesshood, is focus again on stuff that you really mean so so communicate in a way that is your way and for us even to be honest before 
Corona, <laughs> I had my team do all of the communication. They wrote all the emails, and I, I you know, I, I'm working definitely a lot harder now again because I feel like I, as a, a business owner, I wanted to come back in and and reinvent. And so I I took charge again of the communication. Now anything that is going out across any channel, I generally write it or at least I edit it. And when I write it, and this is what I suggest that anyone that is listening does, write from your heart and write in a way that is engaging and in a way that is adding value. If you're writing a piece of, of content or an email to, to your people or a social media post, if you just write it because you have to do something and you're just regurgitating what other people are saying, it's probably quite boring. And so instead of doing that, you just write only stuff that you know, hey, this is adding value. And the main question that I've been asking myself and that I tell our, our customers here is always lead with value. Always eat, lead with value. And right now, as we're going through this roller coaster and we don't really know what's coming, there's a lot of uncertainty. And maybe also in a lot of industries, people are not buying or are they buying again? Some industries are completely pumping and mm. people are buying and they're doing really well. But... I think it's always leading with value and, and just figuring out how, no matter what, you can create goodwill right now. Mm, mm. I really like what you were talking about there, Francisco. One of the things, the word that kind of pops into my mind at the moment is cause. Um, you know, why are we doing what we're yeah. doing? And, and I think there's so many people that are being either operating from fear or greed and usually kind of one of those or, or the other. Yeah. Um, and, and people are going, right, we've got, to, we've got to do something, we've got to do something, or we can make a killing here. And it just comes out in their, you know, in their messaging. One of the things that I thought would be really interesting to explore is basic bananas, because the whole, even the, the name for a marketing business, and I know we've had this conversation over the past when, you were sort of fighting with a mentor that, you know, no, this is <laughs> yes. the name to call it. And, and she was saying, no, no, no. And you said, yes, yes, yes. And she came around and thought, well, you're totally right. Um, so one of the things I'm interested in is when you came up with this concept for basic bananas, did the idea start with an insight? And that is that, you know, because I think if we can go back in time, you know, you, you work more in the corporate world, agency world, big business big marketing and then you know did you notice that small business were doing things poorly how did you come up with it and was it an insight first or was it an idea first I'd love to know you know what was the evolution of basic bananas yeah this is such a great question and so that was 11 years ago when I was in advertising and when, when I then started basic bananas it definitely was insight and what I noticed is that I was working in advertising in the city and and then on the weekends, I would spend on Northern Beaches where there are a lot of small business owners. And I just noticed how small business owners had no idea about marketing. And there were so many struggling small business owners. My dad was a small business owner and he just worked forever and ever. He, he was never there because he was just working so hard. And and uh, that was part of the insight is, is obviously growing up with someone who ran a small business who was working like a crazy person and then also seeing a lot of small businesses on the weekends that I'm like wow these people really don't know how to market like what what's almost normal to to me in my everyday life is is not at all something that people know so I saw this gap in the market where I realized that these small businesses that they can't afford the agencies that I worked for because it's very expensive to work with an advertising agency so it needs to be a different model. I'm not going to start an agency for small businesses and charge them that much. 
But what I did find is that if they just have some basic knowledge, they can actually do quite well mm. and a lot better. So we started a marketing mentoring business because I felt like I can either start an agency where we do stuff for them or we educate people. And it's a little bit like the whole teach someone to fish mm. or give someone the fish. You know, mm. what's the better option? Mm. They will eat forever if you teach them how to fish. Mm. And that was a little bit that thought behind it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what I love about that, you know, when we talk about insights, we say that an insight, simply put, is a, a customer need, a frustration, a desire, an aversion, or an emerging trend that up until then no one's capitalized on. And the interesting thing is sometimes there is such an obvious insight, but because it's so obvious, people think, oh, no, that's surely been done before. Say, for example, yeah. surely people have gone out to share big marketing secrets with small businesses, but um, as you kind of worked out, there was a gap in the market; it hadn't been filled. And and that you know that's the one thing about you know the, I love the power of an insight because it enables you to to often you know opens a gold mine, so to speak, of what you know people wow that that was just waiting to be taken on. Yeah, yeah, and and like with reinvention, you just sort of you have an insight, and then sometimes. Also, you listen to your intuition and then you go for it. But I always say, especially in a startup, you, you go for it, but you keep your plans very fluid because you need to be very adaptable too. Because maybe your idea was sort of okay, but maybe you need to reinvent along the way, even in the first few weeks and go, actually, you know what? I'm going to go over here. I'm mm -hmm. going to go left instead of I was meant to go right because you are learning by doing so many businesses or you know, startups before they even launch, they just spend so much time first thinking about their models and, and that's a great thing to think strategically, but sometimes you just gotta go and test something. Yeah. And then come back and, and remodel and maybe readjust your model. But just go and, and, and launch something and or work, you know, in the beginning I worked for free for some businesses, mm. for some small businesses because I wanted to test some of the models and I wanted to see, hey, is this working before I charge some someone and that obviously helped me reinvent and, and change the business as it needed to be changed. Mm. Well, that, that's like the perfect segue because what I thought would be great to explore a little bit more now is the concept of revalidating. And you've just you know said that perfectly because a lot of people will have an idea, but they're going, well, how do I go about doing it? You know, and, and people get so caught into processes and plans and strategic this and strategic that. It's kind of like the consultant's way that they can continually get paid to get their kids to a private school yeah. probably. But, um, <laughs> you know, we often, we often say um, that if you're going to go and validate, there's three things you need to validate. One, is it a problem worth solving? Two, uh, even if you've got a solution, would the market be willing to pay for the solution? Yeah. And in three, does your solution work? So with those three things in mind, I'm assuming the first thing that you did to validate, and correct me or, or jump in when you feel right, uh, in terms of validating that it was a problem to be solved, did you? how did you go about that one and, and validating that people would be willing to pay for it? Yeah, so first, I think in the beginning, you, and you're exactly spot on with these questions. I think they're very valid questions. For me, in the beginning, I just saw by observing people that they didn't know what they were doing in terms of marketing. And so for me, the best people in the beginning to work with were the ones that had that paid for silly, <laughs> crazy expensive advertising that I knew would not get them a return. Right. So I could just open the paper and go, okay, this small business here, let's say a chiropractor, is spending at least five grand for this 
ad that is horrible that is definitely not giving them a return. So they are spending money on marketing and they're not getting a return. Ah. I know that. So that was already like, okay, yeah. these are the people that are spending money. So let's see if yeah. they can spend the money in a way that is giving them a return. Oh, that is perfect because that, that's killing, you know, two two birds with one stone. Not only yeah. killing birds, but you know yeah. what I mean because yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's going, yeah, they're, they're willing to pay for stuff. Yes. Okay. And, and, and I'm assuming then that when you were doing the, the first kind of um, mentoring for free, that was... Does the solution work? Yeah, exactly. So I probably worked with like two or three businesses in the beginning that just people that I met through networking. I quit my career in advertising and just started going to to business events and just met people. And there was, I remember one woman, I'm still friends with her, Pam, she runs a kinesiology business and she's amazing and she's amazing at what she does, but she doesn't really know how to market. So I said, hey, why don't I just help you and just... Mm show you a few things and now she's pumping yeah. she's still now this is like 11 years ago wow she's still uh, running her business and she's happy and yeah so that's how i validated i guess by just trying it and not be too precious about it not like you know not think oh but i should get paid yeah because because also and a question that you also mentioned before is also asking yourself or it's definitely a question that i recommend asking yourself is who do you enjoy working with because mm. the easiest way for me to have made money quicker in the beginning would have been to consult with larger organizations because I was already known in that space and they have money. Mm. But I don't really enjoy it. I don't want to go into the city. I don't want to wear fancy suits and, you know, act like a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to work with small businesses. So I had to obviously then validate by yeah. working with people and say, hey, look, I'll just do it for you yeah. and see what happens. Okay, what about ideas? Because I know you're not shy of generating ideas. No, um, and, and some people, um, I'm sure you've come across people when you're working with businesses, you think, wow, you know, it's, it's not that hard to generate ideas. Do you, do you use um, a process or do you just sort of create the space that enables the ideas to come up with? Or you know, what, take us through how, how you guys at Basic Bananas, you know, generate ideas. Yeah, I, I'm a an idea machine I love ideas and I have a lot of bad ideas and then also have you know some good ideas and I a few years ago I went through this this time and I haven't done it for a while I should probably pick it up again and I heard this from another podcast actually I forgot who it was but it was this training your brain to become an idea machine and it was just every morning I would wake up and you know meditate and go for a surf or whatever and then I would write 10 ideas on any topic so I would look at something in my house I go fan okay what are 10 better ways to create a better fan mm -hmm. for example or yoga mat how can you make a yoga mat more exciting or maybe pair the two yoga mat and fan how can I come up with 10 ideas combining two two items and so I did that a few years ago I haven't done it but I should get back to it it was a good practice but then for me when I look at ideas for me ideas and this is where I see people sometimes go too narrow. For me, ideas come from everywhere. And mm. so what I do, what works for me really well is something that you mentioned is so create space. So I, I often get really good ideas just sitting in the ocean. So I often in the mornings go for a surf and sometimes I just sit there and just think, just mm. ponder mm. and just think about random stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, how about this? How about this? And so that's one way. And also I read a lot of, I'm a nerd a little bit and I love reading and I read a lot of a variety of books. Yeah. So right now I'm reading a book about Muhammad Ali mm -hmm. and I'm getting a ton of ideas for business 
from his book mm. because just of the way that he sings. And I'm like, oh, wait a second, how can you apply this knowledge yeah. to business? So, yeah, just finding sources everywhere. Yeah, you know, that's cool because there, there's a few things I heard there. The first one is um, what the behavioral scientists now would call associated thinking. And, um, you know, they, they kind of like call it forced association. So, you know, they've done some amazing research. I think there was a, I can't remember his surname now, but he did his PhD at MIT. And um, he looked at um, comedians. Why is it that some comedians can come up with better ideas than others? They actually wanted to test it out. And what he found that what they were really good at doing was sort of playing games of association, so word association games. So if I say the word yellow, what comes to your mind? Sun. Sun, there we go. I could say submarine. And it's about being able to do almost what they call improv theatre. So if you're looking at some ways to develop your association um, improvisation technique, it's kind of, they do a test called alternative uses. And they might do something like they go, here's a shoe, Lot, list as many ideas that you can think of that you can do for a shoe. And most people go, oh, I wear it. But then, you know, like a kid will probably generate five times as much because yes. they'll come up with ideas like use it as a flower pot, yeah, yeah. a shovel, <laughs> yes. um, you know, a, a soup bowl, yeah. you know. And, and, and so, yeah, one of the things we always talk to our, our customers and our clients with is how can we get better at that associative muscle um, and looking at alternative uses. The yeah. second thing I heard you then talk about was to look at ways that you can adapt. So how do you adapt um, one idea from a completely different industry or from a different person or a different philosophy like Muhammad Ali and then start to apply that, how can I apply that to my world? And again, what the human brain is really good at doing is joining the dots, but what it sucks at is actually starting to think outside of our normal realm. So we get caught in our own world. Mm -hmm. What I love about you is you're, you're picking ideas from up different eras. And then the third thing I heard you talking about was about getting in touch with nature. Um, and essentially what we're doing when we're sensing is we our brainwave changes, just like when we meditate. Right now we're beta, hopefully, which is um, our busiest brainwave state where we're active and we're, we're, you know, but when we go into a more of a sensing state, like feeling the waves, feeling the sun on our face, listening to the, the wind, uh, listening to the rain, we go into an alpha brainwave state and that's when we can start to tap into more of the, the prefrontal cortex and that kind of creative center there. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned the comedians too because I actually also get quite a lot out of watching comedians and really good comedians. I'm always completely mind blown by really good comedians. I just watched on Netflix the Dave, David Chappelle, or what's his name? Oh, yeah, yeah. David yeah, Chappelle yeah, yeah. and... And yeah, a few other a few other people that I came across, and it, it's very genius. It is, uh, and exactly what you just you know dissected is a lot of the stuff yeah, that yeah. they're doing, and it's very it's very insightful for yeah. you also to go. Oh, wait a second. Yeah, how yeah. can I use this? Yeah. Earlier this year, actually, I did um, I did a stand up comedy course um, oh, at NIDA, which I is in Australia for for the your overseas listeners. Uh, it's a so like our probably our premiere drama acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of school in Australia and um, yeah it was really you know I did it to try and work you know to, to sort of see whether my I guess you'd call it um, alternative uses improv stuff would, in, would get better but also yeah. not only that it, it gave me some really good clear ideas about storytelling because their yeah. concept is have a hook um, then tell us kind of like what why should I listen what's the story it about 
and then you know send us off in a direction that were unexpected and it's just a really yes. interesting thing which leads me to a concept of something that you said earlier on uh, you were talking about there's a lot of noise and you know we don't need more noise we need the right message yes. what what do you think is your strategy um, in, now that you're sort of back in, into some of the writing and content creation around grabbing someone's attention when there is so much noise? Yeah, so first of all, something that I feel like I should just mention it here because it's been bothering me a little bit is, so, you know, when, when we have things happen like Black Lives Matter, we really need to give this movement and other movements that will come after and some that have become before, we need to give them a little bit the stage. And instead of, as a brand and as a business, instead of spending our ad dollars on ads to that will take away from these voices, it's a good thing to just go, okay, you know what, I'm a good citizen, I'm going to let these movements mm. have some space and just maybe not share too much unless you have something to say. What I have noticed is that some people will say something because they see this is a little bit of a like a news checking sort of strategy that some people use and it can backfire if you do it in a way that is not cool so what some people have done is they jump on news like that you know the black lives matter or any other of the movements or the news and they are very opportunistic about it trying to get more people to see them by saying stuff on the topic that they have no idea about. So my stance on, on publishing content is about only, I only say stuff on, on topics that I know something about. I'm a white girl. I grew up in Switzerland. I, I'm not going to talk about that, that topic if I don't know anything about it. All I can do is listen mm -hmm. and learn and then see what we can do to support, you know, equality because obviously, clearly, it's like... <laughs> out mm. of control still so yeah. so let me let me, let me um, which i think is a really good point you know don't don't try and compete to something that you know deserves to be listened to yes. but if we if we're going to come back to um, let's say you know someone wanted to build their community they wanted to relaunch their reinvention and they're going right i've got 100 people that are good friends of mine but how do i you know what would be some things that you'd be thinking of in terms of strategies or um, communication around how do I build this you know this community do I have to have a, a cause do I need to promise a change um, you know I, yeah what would, what would be some of the, the core things that go through your mind yeah so the the stuff that has worked the best for most businesses that I've seen lately is is content that is very real and honest so even here we always test stuff with different types of content so we might we might have some very professionally produced video content that we use for advertising, for example, for advertising purposes. And then every now and then it would just be me holding my phone, doing a selfie video and just saying, hey, guys, look, uh, and just being completely real and probably not even looking very good. I'm just going, hey, I'm just here in the office behind the scenes, you know, I'm wearing my tracksuit pants and this is how it looks. And that kind of content always, always wins over the super polished professionally yeah. looking content so for someone who, who wants to who is maybe reinventing something and get, getting out there again i would bring people on this journey with them by sharing little snippets and go and, and also not just sharing the good things and go hey i'm so excited we're the best and check this this is the best thing i've ever produced also hey i'm really struggling right now look at this <laughs> whether it's a product or a service but let's say if it is a product hey guys look at this i'm trying to figure this out it seems to be 
impossible, but I will work it out. Hey, you know, mm. just wanted to give you a little update. And you sort of bring people on this on this journey at, w by being super real. And and yeah, people seem to resonate with that. Approach. Yeah, it, it, it when I kind of hear that, like part of my mind goes into, you know, part of that is a story. You know, you, you you're sharing a story, and you know, people say or neuroscientists and. We'll talk about that our brains are wired for stories and it, it kind of makes sense. And there's that piece of vulnerability that, that goes in, in, in there, which has got authenticity. Um, yeah, interesting. Okay, what, what I would love to sort of um, delve in a little bit now is to talk about, about some of your books and also definitely about your latest book, which is called The Courage Map. Hope I got that right. You did get it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know you, you also did an awesome book around um, perception. So what I kind of get from a lot of the adventures, um, you know, if you don't know Francisca, she she's she does everything. She can play the flute, play the piano, uh, play the saxophone. She can surf. She's just you know like one of those all round people. And I have lots of. Um, female and uh, female friends that say they've got girl crushes on her because she's just so good at stuff. But uh, <laughs> one, one of the things, one of the things that I'd love to ask you about is, you know, what's what's that mindset that you create to to challenge yourself? Um, you know that I don't have to do it this way. You know that we can. You know, you've got an amazing business where you have a great culture. You know what? How do you? Yeah, I don't know how you create your mindset. But is there anything that that you live your life by that sort of helps to frame that up or is there something that you do at the start of the day or if something hasn't been going well do you go right Francisca time to start again what what goes through your mind yeah there's so much to this so let's see where I start one definitely is about this has always been sort of my one of my mottos is I don't really take other people's advice unless I feel like it's it feels good, so I that which comes back to intuition. So, like you mentioned earlier, the name Basic Bananas. Eleven years ago, my then business mentor said, "Nah, you can't use this name. You need to use a name like Marketing Institute Australia." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, Sharon. It, I, I'll take some of the business advice because I have no idea how to run a business back then. It was my first business, but I know about branding, so I'm not going to take that advice. So, definitely, it's about uh, just trusting my intuition and and." You know, when somebody says he can't do something, just go, yeah, maybe he probably can. Mm. And that's something that I always teach my team too. It's sort of you can figure things out. And then the other thing that you know you mentioned is what if something doesn't go well? You know, I fail a lot, and that's actually a good thing. Mm. So when I fail, which happens all the time, like I make mistakes all the time, I don't bash myself up. I just go, hey, yes, what did I learn? Good. If I never fail, if I never make a mistake, then I know that I'm not trying hard enough. So I do want to make mistakes and I want my team to make mistakes. It's one of our principles. We have a, a culture book. One of our principles is to, to fail mm. and to be okay with it. And then the other, the third thing you ask, you know, how, how do I do that and how, what creates this mindset is, which comes back to the last book, The Courage Map. I push myself to keep staying courageous so for that last book how it, why i wrote it is a few two or so years ago two and a half years ago i had the best worst idea and that was to ride a motorbike from switzerland my home country to kazakhstan along the silk road and i wanted to do that because i had in my life i felt a bit stuck i felt like ah, something needed to change but 
I needed to think about it and there were big life changes and I needed to just go, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay stuck and do the same thing every day and stay comfortable? Because it was very comfortable and it was nothing was wrong, you yeah, know, yeah, from, yeah. from the outset. But I felt like, ah, oh, something is calling me. So I thought, how can I, how can I go about this? Well, if I spend... 10 hours or so in my helmet every day riding motorbikes through some of the craziest countries surely that gives me enough time to think about it and to also feel super challenged emotionally and mentally and physically and so so that was one one such way to to keep this mindset courageous and and just i remind myself to to practice courage because i talk in the book about how courage is a skill and if i don't practice it i will maybe just my courage boundaries will shrink a little bit. Mm. You see this a little bit as you get, you know, as you get older and I'm sure you've had this, you know, when you're a kid and I was definitely, I had a phase where I was invincible and especially I had this phase when my, when my dad died, I was in my early mid twenties and I was invincible for a year or so because also I was so sad. I'm like, I'm invincible. And even if I die, I don't care because my dad is not here anymore. So I surfed like waves that were way too big and just like, I was just silly a little bit. And then, and then you get a little bit older and suddenly you become a little bit more, you know, when with the waves, for example, I have to keep pushing myself when the surf is a bit big and it's not deadly. I just go, hey, come on, your heart is pumping, but this is, you can definitely surf this wave. Just do it. Yeah. And it's sort of practicing this skill yeah. in all areas. That's so interesting. I um, Last year, around this time last year, I actually went represented Australia in the world championships in hang gliding in Italy oh, yes, and right. um, and I, I hadn't this was something new for me not not the, the hang gliding I've been to a world championships before Hopefully that wasn't new <laughs> no no but what was new was that um, my wife uh, my wife and I were expecting literally I was going to get back and you know my, my wife did give me permission but basically our daughter was going to be due two weeks or three weeks after I returned yeah. And so for the first, probably the first time I, I had, well, there's always fear. There's always fear in there. But I had more fear yeah. than ever before because, gee, if I go, you yeah, know. You have a child. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the things that I did some work with a sports psychologist. And one of the things I found really fascinating around this fear concept was um, acknowledging that physiological responses. So when you were talking about your heart pumping faster, rather than treating that as, something is bad or something is wrong with me, um, just to acknowledge that that's just a physiological response. Yeah. So we have a phenomena in, in hang gliding where we talk about pointing the toes. Everyone starts to point their toes, hoping that it will help them glide further yeah, to get yeah. across to the next place. And it's just a physiological response. Yeah. But it would it's traditionally most of us would all kind of um, analyze that as something's wrong with me or I can't do this because I'm doing this because I'm my heart's beating so fast or because I'm sweaty I mustn't be good at what I'm doing and I know I'm giving you an extreme example but that same thing can happen and similar for let's say you know it could be a person who wants to pitch a new idea um, and, and their heart might start beating, you know, their skin starts to get a bit sweaty and they're going, oh no, my body's saying I can't do this. No, that's just a natural yeah. physiological response. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, and happens. you know what, a really cool thing you can do to overcome this. So yes, it's just, you know, fear is, is actually useful. We mm. need to use fear to our advantage. Fear is not a bad thing. Fear is useful and it is a natural human response to, to keep us safe from 
dying and it's it's a response to prepare our body to either fight or, or flight or freeze and one thing that you can do to that I have found that helps when you get into a state of fear is to have a trigger so for me for example my trigger is is when I when I take the stage somewhere to speak not right now because we don't really do a lot of speaking <laughs> at the moment but I've, I've, I've definitely when I speak in front of a, a bigger audience or I know it's going to be a bit more of a challenging audience I feel the butterflies or the heart pumping before so my my pose to to just calm myself is to just put both of my feet on the ground and do this mountain pose that you obviously know you know yeah, yeah, yoga yeah. mountain yeah, pose yeah. just like feet on the ground tell us if I can you know close my eyes and just just feel the ground underneath me for someone else they might use a different trigger to help them come back mm. to to centeredness i guess that mm. helps to then make the right decision yeah yeah yeah, yeah the tadasana is the the asana isn't pose that one? the one on the line on the floor um, or, no, no that it's the mountain pose. Yeah, you so you're it standing there and you're pointing yes. through your middle finger there yeah, but yeah, um, exactly. no it's it you, you you're so right about that having having a trigger to help and one of the things that we've been um actually in this, this last book I'm writing at the moment on reinvention, one of the things that I've been trying to, cons trying to I guess, convey to um, my readers and, and audiences is around the idea of exposure and, you know, limited exposure. So, you know, if, if doing the big thing is too big, what's the smallest section that you can do or the smallest exposure that you can do without freaking out too much? And... You know, before, in terms of, you know, psychologists, when they work on fear exposure, they actually start with the smallest component, which is perceived, um, you know, so it's an imagined exposure. Let's say I'm scared about getting on an elevator. First, I would do is to imagine myself getting on the elevator. What would that be like? Then, um, once I'm okay with that, then I would practice walking past the elevator. Then I would actually go, right, all I have to do is click the button on the elevator. And then, you know, you kind of work up incrementally yeah. and... Um, which, which kind of leads me to uh, kind of want to wind this up because I, I, I know I don't, don't want to hold you too much longer. But one of the things that comes up into my mind is this idea of the riskiest assumptions. And that is that when we test things, um, often the best thing that we can do is if there's something risky, then pick out what's the riskiest part of an idea, of a reinvention, and how can you test that as fast as possible. So when you were talking about in your culture book and in your organization here at Basic Bananas, it's around, it's okay to fail, kind of mindset I've been taking is more around learn fast. And yeah. so, you know, it, it, how, how can you work out what that's going to be yeah. as soon as possible? What, what are your thoughts around that? You know, what are the assumptions that we're making and how can we test it? Because I know you, you talk about testing a lot. Yeah, and it's it's basically when you just shared this concept, the question, very simple question that came to my mind, which is a very valid question, is what's the worst thing that can happen, right? It's a very simple question. So, it, for example, for us here, we had to adjust and reinvent the offering a little bit because we used to do a lot of face-to-face -face training. So we put everything virtually, we're doing the mentoring virtually now and it's working really well, but in the beginning it was obviously very uncertain, are people going to like this, is it going to get them the same results or even better results, and so, you know, sometimes you deliberate, deliberate or whatever the word is, you think about something yep. very yep. for a long time, or you just go, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen if we do this? Yeah, okay, it's not that bad, so let's <laughs> just do it. Or in the beginning, also one more practical example on this, is when COVID first hit in March here, we had an event scheduled 
in Manly was our annual summit and people had flights booked and it was before the lockdown so oh, we were no. still allowed to do it it was not illegal or anything but people started to obviously some people started to get a little bit worried but also a lot of people that were booked in they you know called us and they're like hey I hope you guys are still running this I've got flights I really want to come are you still doing it and it was very interesting because it was pretty much which doesn't happen I don't remember when this happened the last time it was pretty much me against the team which doesn't normally happen and it wow. was yeah it was actually quite challenging I remember I was in the office here once you know maybe a week before that event where I had to do a whole pep talk for my team to remember again what is our purpose what is our mission what is our cause our cause is to make an impact for people and to help them so so my the reason why I, I had a little bit of you know uh, it was me against the team was because people were super scared mm-hmm. and, and about you know what's coming and what's going to happen if we run this event and then people come and so it was that question it's like well our mission here is to help people so why don't we run this event semi-virtually people opt in and out people are old enough to make a decision to either mm-hmm. come in person and take the responsibility to be there in person and get on a plane if they want to or they will zoom in virtually and same for my team i said nobody has to come if they don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. i will only have people that want to be there and so we went ahead with this event, but we had, that was the question also, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. It's not that bad, the worst that can happen. And looking back, it was one of the most beautiful events because it was a lot smaller and people zoomed in virtually, but the connections were so deep because we were all in the same uncertainty where mm. we were like, what's going to, this was before the lockdown, so it's like, what's going to happen? Oh my God, what's going to happen in Brisbane? What's going to happen in Perth, in Melbourne? And, and we were all in this together. And at the end of two days, people were in tears just from having these deeper conversations and, and working together to yeah. get through the next, you know, whatever, two years or yeah, whatever, yeah. how long this is going to last. <laughs> wow, that's a great story. Yeah. And and so in that you mentioned making an impact and I'm sure that your our little conversation today is going to make a great impact for our listeners. So I wanted to say a big thank you for that. How can... Uh, our listeners reach out to you guys because I know you guys, I'm pretty sure you've still got a place in uh, Canada, um, uh, offices in Canada, US and Switzerland. And we just got Sweden on board too. And Sweden as well. Hey, yeah, to the Swedish people out there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so what's the best way of of finding you guys, Basic Bananas, and how can they find out about your, your latest book, The Courage Map? Yeah, cool. So Basic Bananas, you can find under basicbananas.com and there's a lot of free stuff on there. There's a podcast also. We have also on all the social social channels. You can find us under the same name. And the book is under thecouragemap.com. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Francisco. I hope you've had a good time. And um, for all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Niels. Thanks for doing this. So that's it from this episode, but be sure to subscribe for more strategies on how to turn ideas into income. And please rate and review us so that we can deliver the goods next time.